0: Hey everybody. welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. In this episode we talked to Michelle Clemenson. Michelle was a standout youth soccer player in Texas, um, had great success in the youth side of the game, um, found herself getting recruited to a top five program, a lot of ups and downs in college, but ultimately ultimately a lot of success. Um, I think you're all going to really enjoy this story. Um, she's a teacher now, and so what, talking about that transition from sports and the identity you have in sports now into um, something that is not sports and just how the two uh, tie together, it's, it's such an interesting and, and great conversation, um, a, a fun interview for myself to do. Um, so I hope that you will all sit down, listen in, and really enjoy this conversation. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is gonna be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, and today I'm joined by Michelle Clementson. Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um So, Without any further ado here, let's just hop straight into it. Um, Tell me how you found the game of soccer and and sports and fell in love with it.
1: Um, I was really young. I remember my brothers playing soccer. And I would play in the neighborhood and um, kick the ball around with my brothers and watch them play. And I think it's just always been a part of me to be like... I want to do what I see other people doing yeah. and I want to do well at it.
0: Yeah, totally. That's, that's funny. You said that. It's like, seems to be a common thread with a lot of people um, that had older siblings. It was like, Oh, well my brother and sister did it. And so I just wanted to do it with them.
1: Yeah. I wanted to be a part.
0: Um, so what, what time, like, what age did you start playing soccer? You think?
1: I was five years old. I think when I start started playing like on an organized like team so pretty young
0: um and and what part of the country was this in
1: i was in texas texas all right and and my team name was the sockettes how funny
0: is that (laughs) i love it that's amazing (laughs) that's amazing um so you you found the game because of your brothers and then you started playing organized at, at five years old and obviously that's like more like recreational right um what was right. it what was it about the game that like started to draw you to it
1: um i think i just enjoyed i i enjoyed getting to run around and the challenge of trying to to play the game i feel like maybe everybody was always you know doing things like basketball or volleyball. And I think for me, it was like a challenge of doing something kind of different with your feet. Uh
0: Did you play all those other sports as well?
1: I did in, I, yeah, I did. I played a lot of everything.
0: Well, so like, that's one of the things that I find so fascinating is, you know, especially in today's world, um, we see the early specialization and frankly, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I very much think kids should be playing everything and anything under the sun. Um, and it's in literally every single person that I've had on the podcast, I think, says, oh, yeah, I played every sport I possibly could as a youngster.
1: Yeah, I, I played. I remember starting really before soccer. I started with dance mm-hmm. and then um, I did soccer and I played tennis and I played softball. And then when I got into middle school, I did all the sports there. I played volleyball, basketball, track and cross country. And I, I really enjoyed aspects of all of them.
0: Um, so going from recreational soccer, um, what at what age did you start kind of realizing that you had maybe some extra talent there and then get into more competitive?
1: Um, I think, you know, just people always when I played after games, you know, people just telling me you did so good. I love watching you play Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Or hearing my mom tell my, my dad, my parents were separated, but you know, when she would talk to him, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, saying you should see how she, you know, just hearing her say that, I think I just got the idea that I was doing well at the sport. Yeah. Um, and then when like somewhere around middle school, in high school, I started doing the Olympic development program. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to make those teams, I think, gave me an idea that I was doing well. So, I think that, you know, it was probably around middle school.
0: Um, and when you did start realizing that, were you still playing multiple sports at that time? Or had you kind of focused on soccer?
1: I was still playing multiple sports in middle school. I was really enjoying learning volleyball I excelled in basketball um I think it was just fun to get to do it with my friends at school too you know you wanted to be a part of your school and playing those sports Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely you know knew at that time that if I had to choose like if it was like go to a soccer game or go to the basketball game I would want to be at the soccer game
0: yeah um that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I again, I'm a huge fan of, of kids playing multiple sports. Do you think that because of that, it helped you excel in soccer?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it gives you an idea of um, different variations that you could bring into the sport, you know, so like different skill sets that you learn from volleyball or basketball, and you can take them and use them in your own sport.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I think too, is especially as a coach, it's like, I love those kids that have played multiple sports because like the kids that play hockey, they know how to use their body and shield. You know, the kids that play basketball, they understand movement off the ball and formations. And, um, and I just find it to be a huge benefit because the kids that only focused on soccer. They don't learn that at the same uh, speed. They, They learn it like later on in the game.
1: Well, and I just think it's important too, for, for, people after their career is over, they can, you know, enjoy other sports to keep themselves healthy and, um, moving on when you can't necessarily find a team of Mm -hmm. people playing soccer, you can enjoy a game of basketball. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. Um, so let's, let's go into like your club team days, kind of when you start with more like the competitive stuff. Um, what was, what was, if you remember, what was the transition like going from like recreational to to more competitive for you?
1: for me, it was it was what I was wanting because I wanted I love the games that are hard. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like the games where you get there and you win like ten to nothing. It's just not enjoyable. So, I I wanted to get into a game that was challenging where people were as good as we were and we were gonna have to play to win every game.
0: Mm-hmm. Was did you join a team that was established already or was it? um one that that you were like the new player coming into or was like think, a group of friends that all came together
1: yeah I think my my team is a bit my team was a bit unique I mean we had a group there's probably um it, it was kind of a combination of two teams so it was like the two teams in the area that were that were really strong we kind of pulled the the better players from those two teams and made one team Mm -hmm. And those girls that I grew up playing with from that time, we all lived kind of in the same area and went to the same high school and we're still good friends now. There's like eight of us that still Mm -hmm. like we just did a Zoom call last night and all of us played. I (laughs) I know we all played club soccer together. We all played high school together and um, it's kind of a unique thing, but. We had definitely people from you know, outside that group of eight because we brought them in and we all played together for a long time too.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting you say that because I had a very similar experience with club soccer too. There was a, a, a core of about nine of us, nine or 10 of us that just kind of started playing together when we were nine years old and we stayed together the entire the, our entire youth careers. And we would pull in other players, like you said, but to this day, those are like some of my best friends in the world. All of the parents are all best friends. Yeah. Um. It's like the culture, the culture that we had within that group is what actually made that group good.
1: A hundred percent. Our parents were really close too. And, you know, we, we were very successful by our senior year. Our club team won state and then our high school team won the state championship for high school. So I think that keeping the team together and that group of girls together and having us develop all the way through made a difference, you know, with that stuff.
0: um, Do you like, do you think that that is lost today in today's youth culture? I
1: think it is. I think it's very hard to find that. And I think that the, the, the transition and the changing of the leagues all the time, you know, adds to Mm -hmm. that. Like, I think it makes it hard to keep a team together because you don't know, like, you know, the leagues tend to change every other year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I think I, what I've seen a lot of is it's not so much driven by the kids anymore. It's been a lot more driven by the parents. Mm-hmm. It's like if you give the kids the choice, most of the time they're going to choose to play with like their friends um, or stay in the same club for a long time, but it's the parents who are always driving that change and you see these kids that do the club hopping. And, um, and then you have the group of parents that's like, no, we want to play in this league or that league. And and it's, they're, they're really, in my opinion, they're just disrupting the actual growth that can occur.
1: Right. I agree. Because, you know, it's, I remember when I was in high school, and my mom and my stepdad at the time, and my friend and her parents and we sat in a room and we were discussing whether we should leave our group and then go join one of the other teams in the area that was in the same league but they were always at the top of the league where we were we were more Mm -hmm. mid-level and Mm -hmm. you know i think my parents and my friend's parents thought well maybe for their success we should get them on the better team and me and my friend were just like no we want to play with our friends, we're in the same league, we compete with them, we're getting looked at, like what's the point?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, again, that's one of my big things is that this game is, is all about enjoyment and fun. And yes, there's a competitive nature to it, but um, if, you, if you take yourself out of that setting of, of enjoyment and all of a sudden becomes a job, that's when we see so many of these kids drop yeah, off. Yeah,
1: for sure. And then also when the parents start, you know, getting too involved in that, like if if a team's not performing the way that the, the parents think they should be or they want to put them on the better team and then everyone starts to talk about it. And then the kids, I think, feed off of those conversations um, in their in their performance. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I, I think so without a doubt. Um, so so you have this incredible group of teammates um you have this great culture within your club team um and 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 you guys found a ton of success and now now it's time to uh you're in you're in high school you're doing well it's time to think like about college Uh, tell me about what that feeling was like when you started to realize that you had a chance of actually playing college soccer
1: um, I think that I always knew and wanted to play in college and it was just a matter of where at this point it was mm-hmm. like, should I go? I think it became overwhelming trying to decide where to go because you have people asking you or are people offering you positions in um, colleges that are out of state. You have people offering you partial scholarships you have people offering you full scholarships and it's you have all these options of of yeah. what to choose and where to go and it it was a bit overwhelming
0: well what was it that made you choose texas a&m
1: i chose texas a&m because it kind of had the best of everything it was close to home so my family could mm-hmm. come and watch me play. I could go home and see everyone, but it was still far enough away that they weren't right in my back door. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. I thought all the time that I wanted to go out of state. I was like, I want to go out of state and just experience something different. But I think when it came down to it, yeah. I was a little, uh, I'm not sure. Um, and then, and then they were top five in the country and I wanted to be in a top program.
0: Um, what, what other schools were in contention?
1: Um, the, the ones that I was looking at were Florida, Yukon, um, um, Clemson, Texas A&M, and I, I think those were the four I went on visits for.
0: yeah, uh-huh. Um, going into that time, was there had you just had kind of an, easy, I'd say an easy road to figuring out that you might be able to play? college ball or were there some hiccups along that way
1: i i remember my first uh tryouts for odp and i and i didn't Mm -hmm. make the team and then and my and i remember my parents being like no we'll try again because it seemed kind of like the the same group of people kept making the team and so we we tried again and i made the team but i didn't make like the first team and then i just kept Mm -hmm. I kept going. And so eventually, you know, I ended up being successful with that.
0: What was it that made you want to continue that made you want to keep trying to make that team?
1: I, I think that I just wanted to, I was ambitious. I just wanted to succeed. I knew I felt like I could compete with those girls that were on that team and I wanted to Mm -hmm. prove it.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, we see today, parents kind of shield their kids from any kind of failure. And it's like, Oh, if you get cut from that team, it's like, okay, well, that's obviously not your thing. So let's move on. What's next. And, and that's part of, you know, the main reason that I wanted to do this podcast is to show that, on those journeys to success, there are many failures. And, you know, I myself got cut from plenty of teams and, and all that. And, and literally every single guest that we've had on the show has been in the same kind of a situation. So I think it's just so important to, to tell our listeners about those experiences and about that mindset. And like, while you're super bummed when it happens, the perseverance is what is actually important.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's definitely something that everyone needs to experience in life. I think you need to experience not making the team or not making the play or, um, you know, not getting picked for something and then know that it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah. Life Mm -hmm. is going to go on and you will get a chance. And if you want it bad enough, if you're going to work hard enough. Now you have the experience under your belt already once. And so hopefully if you take that, to heart, you can make the result be the other way. 100%. So let's talk about now going into AM. You're coming in as a freshman, uh, top five program. Um, what was your mindset like with that? I was
1: really excited. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to be on the field. I wanted to play. Um, and I was going to do whatever I needed to do to, to, you know, get on the field and play as many minutes as I could. I, I wanted to contribute. I don't think that it was always like, um, because I wanted to be the best. It was, I wanted to be a contribution to the success of that team.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I understand that so much. It's like, it's it's what I tell a lot of kids that I'll coach these days is like, just because you're not starting, doesn't mean that you're not contributing. Like you're going to get your chance to contribute. And even if you don't play in a game, that doesn't mean you haven't contributed the entire week to the training Mm -hmm. of the team. Yep. Um, and how did that go for you then? It went,
1: it went well. I don't think it went like, I, I, I'm sure that I expected to go in and play and, you know, everyone had built me up to be, you know, I'm going to be a big part of the team. And I think I went in expecting to play every minute all the time. And, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, realizing that these girls were very good and I was going to have to, you know, step up my game and earn a place with the team. And I think, you know, I played a lot of minutes. I didn't start necessarily every game, but I, I got a lot of time to, to get on and show what I could do. And I think by the end of the year is when I started to feel comfortable with the team and the, the players and my role.
0: Um, were you intimidated at all? Oh yeah.
1: I think just, Because I didn't know the girls, number one is intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some very good players on the team. I mean, the whole team was good. Um, And there were a lot of girls. So it was intimidating to try and, you know, make sure that you kind of fit in, right? We're a part of the team. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So you you go in expecting a lot of playing time and you don't get it mentally. How did you deal with that?
1: Um, I think it just, it just. Maybe knocked me down a little bit to be like, okay, you're not going to just come in and start. You're going to have to earn your spot. And, and I could see why, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was like feeling like I was being treated unfairly. I was like, Oh, you know, there's, three other girls in my position that are great players and I'm going to have to fit in and, and do something to earn my spot.
0: Oh, and so after your freshman year, what, what was that time frame? Or what did it take for you to find that confidence and to find yourself um, within that I think
1: team? I think in the spring, because um, one of the girls who, was, was a very good player. She grad, she was graduating, you know, so there was a, there was a spot Mm -hmm. for me to, to fit into. And so that spring, you know, and the coaches told me, this is your time to, to fit in and, and make yourself known that you can fill that, that role. And, um, I think it was just a really good spring. I had a lot of fun. We all started clicking, um, as a new team you know because when a couple people leave you have to Mm -hmm. your leaders kind of leave you have to kind of fill those voids and you have to um make sure that the team starts to connect again on a different way and it Mm -hmm. just i think it just did i think we all just started to really click as a team
0: so you mentioned something there that i want to go back to and it was uh you said we all started to have a lot of fun and let's talk about that a little bit. And, and then how that played out for you guys um, throughout that year.
1: Yeah. I think that when you come in as a freshman, you're, you're, you're a little nervous to kind of be yourself. You, you know, I have to fit in with the team. And then in the spring, I think you can kind of relax a little bit. And start to be more of your personality and, and kind of give your personality to the team. Um, it's just like, you know, when, when you see the, the freshmen come into the high school team, it's just trying to find a way to get your personality fit in and people understand you as a person. And, and you start to have mm-hmm. fun. Everyone just starts to have fun because they're like, oh, I kinda, I've gotten to know her now. I know why she says that, or I know why she's like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how, how did the team do that year?
1: Um, the, the next year, my sophomore year, um, yeah,
0: sophomore we did year.
1: really well. We went to the second round of the NCAA tournament.
0: And do you think a lot of that was because of the, you guys were able to kind of find that fun and find your personality. As yeah. Group. I
1: mean that it was, a, it was a common place for us to get is in the, in the tournament. And um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we lost, I think you could easily say any year with the players we lose, you know, we may not be as good as we were the year before. And I, I do think yeah. that there's such a tradition at that school Of success that everyone comes in and wants to step up and rise to the occasion. Um, At the end of my sophomore Mm -hmm. year, I did tear my ACL. So it was um, right after the tournament, sorry, right after the um, Mm -hmm. conference tournament, we were at practice and I tore my ACL. So I missed the last two games of the season.
0: Oh, well, let's talk about that. What's your mindset then going into that, you know, coming off of a good season, your sophomore year, and then Right before the tournament, you yeah, do Yeah,
1: I mean, I was, I was devastated. I was very, very, very upset because, honestly, I think that that was the best I was playing in my whole career at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming off freshman year where I thought I did well, and I know I did well. I just had to earn my place on the team. And then sophomore year, you know, I, I had my spot on the team. I was playing well. And then that happened. Um, I was really upset to miss the two biggest games of the year. And then I was also upset cause I didn't, it was the unknown, like what's going to happen now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's happening next. Yeah, exactly. So how do you deal with that? that I think a player, though.
1: as I was having surgery and going through rehab, I was very confident and I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. I remember, um, going in and doing rehab during um, cause I had surgery right before Thanksgiving break. And so I, I actually went up mm-hmm. to, cause I, I'm from Arlington, Texas. So the Rangers um, ballpark is where I did my rehab and, and I was doing
0: mm-hmm. like
1: really intense, like three hours a day rehab up there. And then when I went back to school, they kind of knocked it down a little, but I was like, I'm going to keep doing what I was doing there in the weight room afterwards because I want to make sure yeah. that I, I rehab from this. So, um, but then you start to run and you're like, oh, it just doesn't feel the same when I'm running. And so uh-huh. mentally you're like, is mm-hmm. my knee going to be the same? Um, and it gets better. And so you, you start to think, okay. And then you have to get out on the field and you're kind of nervous about contact. Cause you're like, is it going to hold up? Am I going to be okay? But yeah. just every step along the way was a little bit of uncertainty and then it got better over time.
0: Mm-hmm. So when were you actually able to return? I think, to the squat? I think
1: one of the good things about when I did tear my ACL was that I didn't miss the whole season, my sophomore year. And then I was eight. So I only missed mm-hmm. two games and I was able to, have surgery and rehab all spring and be ready. And in the summer and be ready for the next season. So I think in the summer is when I started playing again, like around May. And so I played in the league Mm -hmm. that summer and then, you know, went in to play my junior year in the, in the fall. But you know, what had happened at that point was that someone in the spring took my spot, you know, they, they stepped up to fill the hole yeah. that I left and they were playing awesome. And so, you know, fall comes in again and now I've got to earn my spot again.
0: And so how did that, how did that like uh, competition go? Um,
1: it, it was fine. Like I, I, I kind of compare my junior year back to my freshman year again. It was very similar. Uh-huh.
0: That's really interesting. So, um, so you not only did you have you know that that mental hurdle of coming in your freshman year and then doing really well your sophomore year playing the best you've ever played, then you do your ACL and now you're kind of at ground zero mm-hmm. of college soccer again coming back and having to find yourself yes. in the team. Um, so let's talk about that junior year then. How did how did that go? And then leading. Into yeah, your
1: it it, year. it honestly, it's kind of crazy how similar it was to my freshman year. You know, I got I got to play a lot. I, I got on the field and and played, you know, a lot more than other people. I'm very thankful for that, but the way I was, I wanted to start and I wanted to play as many minutes in the game because I wanted to contribute to everything I could. Um, so mentally I think that I just kept pushing myself the whole, the whole year. And then by the end of it, I felt like, um, I had earned, you know, a couple of starting roles and, you know, getting mm-hmm. back into where I felt. And honestly, you know, my knee by the end of the season was when it finally started to feel great again. You know, I started to feel back to normal. So, yeah. you know, it's just the timing of things.
0: And then, so then you go into the off season after your junior year and you're coming back to your senior year. Um, what, where were you, where was your head? At um, that?
1: We were really excited. We, we, we had a lot of the same players. We had good players coming in. We, we were really a very tight team, like off the field too. We all got along. We loved to hang out together. We mm-hmm. had so much fun together. We just connected as people. So, you know, we were just always excited to, to play, to be at practice, because we got to be around the people we enjoyed being around.
0: So yeah, again yeah. we go back to the, the culture, the importance of the culture within the group. Um, how did senior year go for? for we did you really guys well. We won
1: the we won the conference tournament that year, and then we
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, went to the elite eight actually that year. Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, so after that comes this this new transition, right? You've been a soccer player. You've had this identity for. Your whole life so far, um, after that last college soccer game, well, what are you thinking? I mean,
1: I had another moment that last game. So, um, I had I had started every game my senior year, and then we get to that last game, mm-hmm. um, the final eight, and it's my senior year, and the yeah. coaches tell me, and a couple of other girls, they decided to change up our mm-hmm. our lineup. So um my this obviously I did not know it was going to be my last game but um you know I I was not picked to start that game because of how they wanted to play the game so that was devastating again after having we had a great year we were playing awesome but um it was just one of those things so
0: That's a, yeah, that's a, I mean, I've, I've been in that position a thousand times myself and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. Um, so how do you, how did you mentally kind of reset? Cause you don't start that game, but you get subbed in and you have to be performing at a really high level. So how, how did, how did you do that? Yeah,
1: it was, it was hard because mentally, I mean, I really didn't end up getting to play a whole lot that game at all. So, um, Mm -hmm. I was on the field and I kind of felt like at that point I was just on the field because it was my senior year and they needed to get me in. Um, Uh But looking back on it, I had a lot going on. So my, um, my stepdad at the time. So he had pretty much raised me from when I was seven, he Mm -hmm. had been diagnosed with um, cancer and he was terminally ill and he was, had had surgery and, Um, him and my mom Mm -hmm. actually had flown up there for that game but I think because of how sick he was I had a mental toll on my body that that was affecting me physically that I knew at the time that it was affecting me physically but I don't think I was able to see how intense that was at the time because I was very Mm -hmm. focused on playing and wanting to get that. I wanted to do everything. And that's kind of, that's my personality anyways. Yeah. Um, I wanted to support him. I wanted to get my school done and I wanted to be a contributor on the team. And it just, it, it was creating stress on my body that at the time, I don't think I realized. And so I had to come to terms with that later on and, and kind of, be able to resolve that, you know, the coaches could see that in me. And that's why that happened.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, so so we go into the next, we go into that game, you're disappointed the season ends. What's um, next? I still
1: had a year of school. So I stayed around for a year. And then um, after that, I got offered to be a graduate assistant at TCU and work for the soccer program there and get my master's degree. So um, I know that at the time after I finished playing soccer and I had a year left of school, I was like, you know, ready to be done with school. I'm here for another year. What I'm, you know, everyone's kind of Mm -hmm. graduating. And I, I think there was like a lull. And then when I got offered that position, it was kind of like, you know what, it was just what was meant to be. That was the timing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you deal with not playing soccer anymore? Like, like I said earlier, that kind of that almost loss of identity of, of who yeah, you are. Yeah. hundred
1: percent. Like what, what's my purpose now? Right. Like I've always been the person who yeah. is this successful soccer player. What, what do I do now? So um, I think that that was yeah. hard. I didn't know, you know, a lot of my friends were very career. They had a career that they had in mind. Um, I wasn't necessarily that mm-hmm. way. So, cause, um, I, I decided that, you know, getting more education and because I wanted to be around soccer still, I think that's what drove me to that soccer mm-hmm. position. So I got to go there and, uh, to TCU and I got to be around girls that were close in age to me. And I got to give maybe some yep. of my experience to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how did you manage that um, now from this other perspective of somebody that's kind of been through all of what they're going through. And now you're in this like leadership position. Yeah. I tried
1: to, I really did because I was not the coach. I was a graduate assistant. I tried to kind of be the middle person. So relate to the Mm -hmm. girls and understand because I was in the office every day with the coaches and try to be like able to bring that together. Cause that's, it's, it's a hard thing like yeah. as a young adult in college to understand really what the, the coaching aspect is. And so I tried to mm-hmm. bridge the two as best as I could. It's not an easy job to do.
0: No, that's not an easy job at all. But I think it is such a, an important role for, for somebody to be playing, whether it be the coach, the assistant coach, wh- whoever it might be, it, it really helps with the, uh, cohesiveness of the overall yes, um, staff and squad um, and, and how long did you um, long I did was a grad, grad assistant... assistant
1: for two years and then I ended up staying on as an assistant coach for five more years after that
0: what was the hardest part about um, being I a think the hardest coach?
1: part was exactly what I kind of was just talking about trying trying to uh-huh. relay the information from the coaches, from us as the coaches to the players in a way mm-hmm. that they would respond to
0: it. Did it did you find it getting harder as the distance became greater in um, your ages?
1: No, I don't think I found it harder. I think I think what I found harder was, that, that you can't make people understand something, you know, you, as as Mm -hmm. much as you try, if they don't believe you, they don't believe you, you know? So, and, and everyone has their feelings, you know, they, they want to help other people. So I think it's just, it's just a very, it's just a very tough dynamic. Like who, all the coaches out there are amazing, you know, and it's very hard if people don't, know them personally, I think it's very hard for them to, to separate the two. So it's almost like you, and for girls, especially, I think it's very hard to separate personal opinion from, this is like a job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's a business to it. Um, and, and so when you left coaching, now you're kind of not involved in, that high level of soccer anymore um, How did that it was feel?
1: it was a change because it was like what i'd been around for for oh man like 10 years so for 10 years i'm i'm yeah. experiencing this high competitive environment and i still kept coaching on the at the youth level but it wasn't the same yeah. as that college experience
0: what was the reason? Um, that you I just actually had
1: met my husband. Well, we weren't married at the time, but I had met him and um, we were, yeah. you know, getting more serious and he coaches also. So we kind of just decided because mm-hmm. we'd seen, you know, the the coaching environment and we decided that if we were going to um, be together and have a family one day that it would be very difficult to do that with both of us coaching.
0: Mm hmm. And yes. you decided to go into teaching. So basically the same. Yes. Thing, just and, and back <laughs> when I had,
1: was doing uh, my master's, I got my master's in education to mm-hmm. to be a teacher. So that was kind of always something Perfect. that I had in mind. And I just decided that that was the time to to move into that.
0: How did you feel about again, we go back to kind of like that identity. Um, when you left the game at that level and started being a teacher.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that I my, my purpose then became to take that experience of how sport prepares you for life. It also helps to take care of your body and just use that to help my students. So now my job was going to be to show students that how important taking care of your body and how important physical activity, cause that's what I teach PE and health. So, um, and I do, I mm-hmm. do find it, you know, we only have one body, right? So I can't trade this body out for another yep. one if I don't take care of it. So I, I actually do believe that physical education and health is a very important subject to teach the kids.
0: Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. And, um, um, and how this long is have you my 10th year.
1: Out? Yeah, thank you.
0: Nice. Congratulations. Well, I want to just thank you for sharing your story with us here at Athletes Rising. Um, it's, it's always so fascinating for me to be able to interview people and learn about their lives and the experiences and just how um, those hardships actually help propel people towards greater growth. And um, your, your story certainly does that. And so congrats on all the the success and thank you so much for having me. I love
1: this.